Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I talk more NBA playoffs and the future of some of the big name stars in the NBA after disappointing playoff runs. We are back with another episode of the Front Office Podcast. It's your guys, Derek Dawson and Sean Gantworker. Sean, what's going on with your brother? I'm doing good. I gotta say, I love the pronunciation of my last name. Oh, it's, it's completely right. Gantworker. Gantworker. No, I want to say this though. I went to a doctor's appointment last week. When Gray, I'm the healthiest man alive. Yeah. They gave me my paperwork, my prescription, all that, and I said. This is great, but I want you to know this is for uh, John Gallagher. <laughs> and they said, I, I'm sorry, you're not John Gallagher? I said, no, it's it's Sean Gantworker. Yeah. They said, oh, um, give me one second. The doctor closes the door and just starts screaming at the receptionist. How could you get the name wrong? <laughs> because I guess they'd like pulled poor John Gallagher's like insurance uh, and stuff uh, and, uh. and all that fun stuff. So uh, Talk about a HIPAA said, violation. Exactly. It's a tough it's a tough last name, you know, and you uh you got it with something else. Man, you know, I hear you uh the heat, not the Miami heat, ladies and gentlemen, but the heat in that Arizona um climate is going insane. Uh, what is about 115, 118 the other day? It's it's brutal. It was 115. It gets down luckily to like 95 to 83 at night here. Oh, but we have to we have to walk the dog at nine thirty because you will he will burn his paws. Yes, yes. At any other time, and it's just I'm losing water weight, which is great, but it is it is unforgiving. Yeah, we're going to talk about that other heat um, going on in Phoenix in a minute. Let's talk about some other news. Uh, first off, the Portland Trailblazers uh, have. Uh, made their final list of two for their head coaching position. And it looks like it's coming between Becky Hammond and Chauncey Billups. I think either one of those um, candidates would be perfect for the um, head coaching position. I'm not sure if Dame and CJ, I think Dame wants Chauncey. Um, I'd love to see Becky get the job. Um, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen with that, with that um, head coaching position. And I am too. This is a bit of a digression, but are you at all interested in why they made a huge fuss over David Vanderpool not getting a job earlier? I, and, uh, I don't know. Has, his, what, what's going on there? You know, I think it's more of a friendship type of thing, nepotism in in a way. And I, th- I, don't, I, I think, see, so I'm a big Raider fan. And uh-huh. I always, our offensive coordinator was a guy named Hugh Jackson. And Hugh Jackson was doing a, fantastic job as an offensive coordinator and then he became a head coach and that That changes the dynamics (laughs) you know it's like Keith Smart it's those kinds of of guys it's okay guys to be a great coordinator and lead and and make your your name as that as opposed to um, um, becoming a head coach I know everyone has aspirations to move up and all that but at the same time uh, I think 
that uh, Dame Lillard and and CJ were were friends with David Vanterpool. So when he didn't get the job in Minnesota, it was like, hey, my friend didn't get the job, which I understand. But at the same time, it doesn't constitute that you should get the job just because Dame Lillard said you should get the job, you know? I like that, and uh, and so now let's loop that back. Yeah, because we we moved past the Jason Jason Kidd thing entirely, right? Which I believe would have been a nightmare, right? Uh, having had some experience with with Jason Kidd, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not not necessarily personally, but being in the same building as yes. him and, and knowing of his ways, yes. Um, but like you said, they did round out to two really good candidates. Uh, Becky Hammond, of course, being one of the greatest WNBA players of all time, and just a groundbreaking groundbreaking coach who has not only learned under Popovich, but has been promoted frequently by him. Right. And I think that's important because there's a lot of lifers on pop staff right. that kind of just stay there. Mm-hmm. They have their ways, you know, Chip England is one of the greatest shooting coaches, but he doesn't fluctuate up and down that staff. Uh, Budenholzer obviously got pushed from it, but there's plenty of guys. Right. Uh, and Becky Hammond, not just as a woman, but a coach has impressed him. Right. Press the hell out of him. And I think her qualifications are inarguable and frankly, probably better at this point than Chauncey Billups uh, from a coaching perspective. Definitely. Uh, so I would I would go with her, but I would completely understand. I think Chauncey Billups is, was an incredibly cerebral player and uh, would likely be a very good coach. Uh, but Portland's needs are, are very obvious, right? They need to lock this down defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to add depth because all of their pieces seemingly get injured on a weekly basis. And uh, they need to find uh, someone who can work with bigs and uh, establish more of a presence in the middle. Uh, I think given uh, Popovich's uh, defensive specialty, Becky Hammond will likely have an advantage with that. Uh, But Billups has been in plenty of situations in his career, working with plenty of different people. So I think they're both advantageous. Um, If I was, if I, if I was Becky Hammond, honestly, I would sit down next to pop. And just ride that wave because I think that pops what 70 and pops doesn't have much time coaching. I don't think, you know, three years maybe. Um, And and I think that Becky Hammond could actually like sit there and be his successor. When I made Udoka left to go to Brooklyn, uh, that let me know that, hey, Pop's going to be there for a few more years. So I may want it to go get a, a better position somewhere and being in Brooklyn um, may get him another opportunity elsewhere. But, you know, I think Becky Hammond is, is best served. And this is just my opinion, people. So I think Becky Hammond is best served um, just just still under Pop's tutelage. And then when Pop rides off into the sunset, it's it's served to Becky on a silver platter. I, I think so, too, as long as a, a time frame is established. Definitely promise because this reminds me, and this is not a this is a college thing. Yeah. Uh, but do you remember Mike Dunlap? Yeah. The Charlotte Bobcats. Yeah. He was Jim Beheim's right hand man for years and years. He was the obvious obvious successor. Beheim was getting up in the years, and then it became clear that uh, that Jim Beheim was going nowhere. In fact, he will likely die uh, being a miserable old man on the Syracuse bench. Um, so Dunlap jumped course and proceeded to have probably the worst coaching season in, in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Um, college as well. I can think about all of the Krzyzewski's uh, successors. Right. Like, um, is it Jeff Copiel? Jeff uh, Capel? Capel, yeah. Who went to uh, Oklahoma and yeah. Pittsburgh and all that. Yeah. You know, bouncing back and forth around the Krzyzewski, uh, you know, periphery. And then sure enough, it's it's John Shire. Right. Uh, so there's never any... And, 
there's never anything guaranteed. So if Becky Hammond can find an immediate job, if there is no promise from Popovich, I take it. But like you said, there is no better better thing for her, I believe, than to keep sitting and learning from him and then just inherit that organically. Hey, you know what? If you put me around greatness and um, I'm around greatness for a long time, I don't think I want to leave that comfort. Um, for and I know the opportunities are as a head coach are better than the opportunities as a as a um, assistant coach and maybe yeah. even more just financially, you know, and, and that's the world that we're living in, you know. But sometimes like like when I'm playing dominoes, all money ain't good money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's get on to these NBA playoffs. So let, we're going to talk about the Utah Clippers series first. Um, I did pick. The Clippers, and they are still my my uh, pick for the to go to the finals. What happened with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell? Is it just they reached their point and then they just or did Paul George just go MJ Kobe and just kind of just take over from there? Well, yes and no. I think Paul George was was really remarkable. He uh, there were a lot of difficult circumstances and in history that suggest that Paul. George would have would have choked. Right. And he did not. He took that team on his back and proved a lot of his doubters wrong. Of course, those doubters came back in the fourth quarter of yesterday's game, but mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll address that at some point. Yep. Uh, but it's truly impressive that without Kawhi, without Ibaka, and uh, a team that has a very interesting rotation right now that he took on the best team in the NBA record-wise, the Utah Jazz, and wiped them out single-handedly. Insane. Now, is this more of a a Clippers victory or a Jazz loss, right? Right. right. I think that's what we want to focus on. And yes. I think ultimately it is a Jazz loss. Definitely. I totally 100% agree with you. I think Rudy Gobert is a great defensive player in the paint. I yes. think once he steps out of that paint, he's a liability. Um even on some of the pick and rolls that they were doing, you know, he was just kind of lost on some I mean, but his 7-2 frame can make up for a lot of that. But if he was six nine, then we would really be talking a little bit more about about Rudy. I, I can see some frustration with Donovan Mitchell, even if it's with Rudy, and that can be because of the whole COVID touching the microphones and it just never left, you know. Um, but I do think that a seven two Rudy Gobert is better than a lot of centers in the NBA. Um, it's, I just don't know if it's gonna make Utah ever get past the first or second round. I think Donovan Mitchell shoots entirely too much from behind the three point line and doesn't attack the rim like he should. He does attack the rim, but he doesn't like he should. He kind of lives outside. Um, I guess he he you know that's the name of the game now. You see Trey Young doing it, and I think everyone else wants to be Steph Curry all over again. I just don't know if if Utah has the moxie to ever get past that point or if they just need to make a move? Well, Utah was always so interesting, right? Because yes. they were a team of very good players, very good role players, but no superstars. And we have this caveat, obviously, of Mike Conley was incredibly important to what he did, what they were doing. He only played one game, and that game was, was just abysmal. Right. Um, however, the issue was not Rudy Gobert. Right. Um, he is a flawed player, but he is what he is. A truly remarkable physical specimen, a lockdown defender. He is an impactful presence, you know, down low. Here's the issue. No one else on that team can defend other than Mike Conley. And when Mike Conley was gone, Ty- Tyrone Liu and his great staff rightfully said, if we can get Rudy away from the basket, they have nothing. 
their rotations will break down. We can exploit them inside and out, and then we can rely on our usual spectacular three-point shooting to just destroy them. And sure enough, Terrence Mann was able to do that. I like the notion that the Jazz have this very good organic home-built team, but when it comes down to it, when you're playing a team with superstars and you have a six-man rotation that's offering heavy minutes to guys like Georges Niang and then working in Trent Forrest, it's just, it's just not enough. That team needs to get deeper and it needs to get better, except it's got a lot of money locked in to a lot of very good role players and no superstars. So I believe they will try to address these issues in the offseason, but it's not going to be easy. And for now, yep. it's just really a disastrous end to what was a spectacular season for the Jazz. You know, the, the, the crazy thing about it is it's not New York or Miami or L.A. or San Francisco. It's Utah, which means that you have to overpay to get free agents there. But if you don't have the money to pay the over, the free agents, then no one's going to come there just on their own, you know, will. So that's the that's the problem with Utah. Portland will have that same situation because they have so much money tied in to Dame and CJ. Those smaller market teams, and it's crazy that in this 2021 world we're living in, those teams are still considered small market because I think markets are just what you make them now with social media and things of that sort. But. Utah is just a different beast, I think, in itself. Um, I think Mike Conley leaves this offseason. But yeah. but if you're not going to replace him, then you might have to overpay to keep him. And Mike Conley has a, two good years left to be – well, he's not dominant now, but to be as dominant as he – he's never going to be as good as he is today, pretty much. Same thing with LeBron, same thing, thing with a lot of players. There's no upward trajectory going forward. It's only downward trajectory. Exactly. You and I are on team. Get that money while you can. I'm definitely, definitely. And and for Mike Conley, I I believe that's the case. Whether it's going uh, to get a ring, or just signing that big contract, maybe back with Memphis. Frankly, to end his career there and play behind John Morant, maybe go to Chicago and see if you can be that point guard that that team needs. Just find yourself a good situation because as great as the Jazz thing is, it's ultimately it is a business. Definitely. Definitely. Let's get over to that other Eastern Conference. We're going to move around a little bit, folks. Let's get to that Eastern Conference uh, semis between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Great series. Um, I think I thought Brooklyn was going to beat Milwaukee handily, even with the injury to Kyrie and the the injury to James Harden. Um, Kevin Durant, um, his feet are just a little bit too big. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's crazy because... Brooklyn, he 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 hit a, he tried to hit the other shot to win the game, and his foot was still on the line. So it's kind of like, you know, is this a mark on on Kevin Durant's uh, uh, legacy? Because I thought had Kevin Durant been able to at least get Brooklyn to the finals with a hobbled James Harden and then a, a hurt Kyrie, who probably would have came back for the finals. Kevin Durant had all of this pressure on his shoulder. He didn't fail because he scored tons of points. He dominated games. but And Blake Griffin, bless him, because he did what, what no one thought he can do. Is, is Kevin Durant frustrated? Is, who's more upset? Is Kyrie Irving frustrated because he got hurt? I mean, what does Brooklyn do from that point? I uh, Well, I'm, I'm, I can never ascribe any sort of emotion to Kyrie Irving. I, I don't really know what goes on up there. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I find the man fascinating. If I am, if anyone is upset from this whole experience, I believe it's Sean Marks, the GM. What I think with, I think Kevin Durant has nothing to be ashamed of here. Right. 
Um, I believe there is a deserved stigma that will always come from his decision to go to Golden State Mm -hmm. and basically destroy competitive basketball for three years until his injury. I believe that stigma is also earned from his decision to go to Brooklyn uh, to team up with Kyrie and then heavily recruit Harden. But when the chips are down and both those guys were off the court, uh, Kevin Durant was still spectacular. Right. He was the best player in the playoffs today, you know, 50% shooting uh, from the field, 35 from three, playing 43 minutes. He was the only option on that team other than the corpse of Blake Griffin, who not just I'm a reanimated corpse, but um, I would take, I would be proud if I'm Durant. I'm sure he won't be because he's a competitor, obviously, but. Uh, if the narrative is that Kevin Durant is incapable of doing it on his own, then maybe that will persist. But the fact is, on his own, he nearly beat this Bucks team. That's obviously good, right? Right. I mean, there's there's nothing to be ashamed of here. I think, as I mentioned with Sean Marks, he went uh, all in on James Harden. We had some skepticism early on. I think you and I both agreed that it was probably the right move to do, but... This was a very deep team at the beginning of the year. Right. It became less deep when Spencer Dinwiddie uh, left. Yeah. But the not left, excuse me, got injured. injured, But the James Harden thing removed some very crucial assets to that team, whether it be, you know, Karis LeVert, whether it be Jarrett Allen. And what did we say all, all along? Unless they dominate the buyout market, this team is not going to be particularly deep, and they're not going to be big enough to deal with maybe a Giannis with a Joel Embiid. Definitely. And that's what happened. I I, uh, I thought that when Brooklyn was up two nothing, I thought um, Coach Bud was was gonna get fired. Um, okay. He he. I thought after Game Four, if it was gonna be a, a gentleman sweep or a regular sweep, I thought Coach Bud would end his career with Milwaukee. But man, have the the tides turned because those same Milwaukee Bucks are now in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Atlanta Hawks. Um, which, which is so weird because I'm not sure we've learned anything about Coach Bud. Right. Like at all. Right. I'll tell I, you this. i tell you this. He can put a feather in his cap by beating the team that fired him. <laughs> That's not, no doubt about that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, and we'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals predictions in a minute. But who's happier right now? Is it Giannis or is it Ty Lue? And I know Ty Lue is down one nothing to Phoenix. I know that Ty, but Ty Lue has done something that his predecessor, Doc Rivers, uh, was never able to do in seven years or however long he was with the Clippers. And Ty Lue was able to do it in his first year. What's going on with the Philadelphia 76ers there, Sean? Oh, boy, that's. They're in trouble. (laughs) They are in so much trouble. And I I don't envy uh, Daryl Morey. Although I will say, Daryl, I mean, you you reap what you sow. You talk a big game, you know. You're what what does Bill Simmons call him? Like Stat Elvis. Yes. You've established a legacy that you've helped create for yourself as this data guru, and uh, you said you could fix this thing overnight. You did some great moves, but when the chips came, you committed to Joel Embiid and Bill Simmons. Not Bill Simmons. Bill I mean, Simmons. Maybe maybe you should. Maybe you uh, should. Jo- Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Yes. And where do we sit right now? Doc Rivers remains the coach that we always thought he was. You know, good, not great. Seems to choke at the big moments. Ben Simmons has regressed to the point where I don't, I'm not sure he's going to last the week in Philadelphia, <laughs> nevertheless, the next season. 
and uh, you have Joel and Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers just throwing teammates under the bus. It's a toxic situation because Embiid's knees are a time bomb. Yes, that's only a matter of time. You need to do this now. And the fact is, they made a concerted decision to keep uh, Maxi and Tybal and all those guys and develop them along with a core that was ready to win, not go in on guys like Kyle Lowry. Instead, make compromises like George I Hill. Would say it, uh, but I thought the turning point was just, you know, we had uh, an open shot and, you know, we missed, uh, we made one free throw and uh, we missed the other and then they came down and scored uh, and uh, we didn't get a good pos- uh, possession on the other end and Trey came back and he made a three and then from there uh, down four uh, and then I go, I uh, it's on me. I turn the ball over uh, and try to, you know, make something happen uh, from the perimeter. Uh, and uh, but uh, I thought that was a turning point. Doc, you think Ben Simmons can can still be a point guard for for a championship team like the one you guys want to become? Yeah, David. I don't know that question or the answer to that right now. Um, that was courtesy of ESPN's first take. That was Joel Embiid speaking with reporters and Doc Rivers speaking with reporters uh, about the future of the Philadelphia Sixers. You know, Joel Embiid did throw. Well, let me start that over. He didn't throw his teammate under the bus. Doc Rivers didn't throw his player under the bus. I think Joel Embiid uh, is just frustrated. Nudged him under the bus. That he kind of he kind of shoved him just a little bit. Yeah, he didn't throw him all the way. Delicately placed him. Like yes. A loving parent. That's a that's a better way of putting it. He he delicately delicately placed him like a loving parent. I think Joel and B. So let's check this out. So where Philadelphia messed up at the beginning of time was when they picked uh, Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick. That was the first mistake. You know, you're giving Tobias thirty five forty million dollars a year. Um, and I think without that Al Horford signing at the beginning, it, it just was too big. You know, it was too many people got had to play in the paint. You know, Horford and, and Joel can't play in the paint together. Tobias, you know, he's a, not a small forward. He's He needs to get in that block and, and kind of, you know, beat his man up because he's quicker than, than Forrest is in his uh, position. Um, but the Ben Simmons thing, you know, it he passed up an open shot. I guess he thought that, uh, someone was coming on the weak side, and then he passed it to Thibel. Um, Is Ben Simmons on his way out? What could you get for Ben Simmons? Is he not broken, but does he have something like like internally going on where he doesn't want to shoot the ball? Is he just a lockdown defender, and that's all he wants to do? Because if he has the ball in his hands at the beginning of every you know possession, he needs to be able to hit a jump shot. I was watching some footage of him at Summer League when he was just drafted, and he was hitting jumpers. And what happened to that Ben Simmons? I I think it's it's got to be a mental at this point. And I don't like, you know, ascribing I'm not in his head. I don't know the guy, but we've seen the talk, right? right. Like a couple years ago when he was going at it with Donovan Mitchell for rookie of the year and everybody's saying, "Well, Donovan can shoot, Ben Simmons can't shoot." Ben Simmons is saying, "Well, give me an offseason, right?" Right. You'll never have that talking point again, and it, it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. I'm looking at these these field goal attempts right now. Ben Simmons is the engine of that offense, right? Right. In addition to that, he's capable of playing 
four positions on the court, everything but shooting guard, probably. Everything but shooting guard, definitely. I mean, <laughs> he had 45 field goal attempts in this in this series. Frickin' Cormaz had three more field goal attempts than him in 102 less minutes. 102. He didn't attempt one three. He, uh, he didn't attempt one three pointer. It's it's unforgivable for a guy who's making that much money and is of that size. You you and I could be six foot eleven, have no skills, and be on the block and probably put up at least what eight points. I I, I can do that definitely. If I'm six eleven, I can do that. I don't care. It, I was watching Shaq on TNT yesterday, and Shaq said something that was that I agree with. He said, "I don't care if I'm not making any shots." If I'm if I'm the man and I know there's a three headed man monster in Philly with Joel, Tobias and Ben. But if I'm the man who controls the rock, who gets the ball to where it needs to go, I'm, I'm just I don't care if I'm one for 15. What I'm, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm not going to go down and, and people doubt, you know, what my abilities are, because then they're going to start questioning my contract. You know, he's at 30 something million dollars a year. He's only 25, which means their work. The work can be done and he can get through this. You know, like Shaq always says, I made free throws when it counted, you know, and, and, and Ben Simmons needs to have that mentality because the whole world's on him right now. And I don't know, Sean, do the Philly because I heard what I heard from Joel last night. It wasn't a get me out of here. It was a get him out of here or get me out of here. If you don't get him out of here, I think you can get more for Embiid. Um, I think the Warriors yes. would be a good move like maybe Wiseman and Wiggins and maybe that number six pick if they get that in the draft but what's the market for Ben Simmons here I mean the issue is he's just making so much money so much money he's maxed out and I don't want to this isn't an obituary for Ben Simmons right I really like Ben Simmons I think he is a star I won't go superstar I think what he contributes to a team defensively and as a passer makes up not entirely, but a lot for his deficiencies offensively. And I, I would love for him to be on my team, but, but, but think I of, believe that contract is the issue. And I think it will. So Sean, what were you saying about Ben Simmons? So I think it's issue of, with Ben Simmons. He made, he's making a lot of money. His cake is almost baked to this point where you have to change your entire offense, like I said, around him. And it's similar to the situation that Daryl Morey inherited last year with guys like Al Horford that you magicked his way way around. He's got a massive Tobias Harris contract, mm-hmm. another Ben Simmons contract, mm-hmm. that's going to prevent him from addressing any needs. I don't think it's going to be easy because I don't think they want to move, jo- move Joel Embiid. I believe he's important to what they want to do and to that city. So... It's about tinkering those pieces around him and finding a way to either move off those big contracts while sacrificing guys like Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey, and Isaiah Joe, or, or run it back and just hope that your development coaches can figure something out. So I think that you got to make a move, and I because Philly needs shooting. Okay, let's let's like I said, Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick were were perfect for that team. They just decided yeah. to go in a different direction. I think you need um, shooting. But because I will say this, and we mentioned Mike Conley earlier, Mike, if you replaced Mike, and I'm not saying this is what should happen because it should not, but had you taken, if, if Ben Simmons was not there and Mike Conley was in that place instead of Ben Simmons, Philly would have won that series. Not saying that Ben Simmons is, be- I mean, that Mike Conley's better than Ben Simmons, but 
from the defensive side, you get the same kind of thing almost. You know, from the ball movement, you get the same kind of thing. The only difference is Mike Conley can hit an open jumper. And, exactly. And not that – and Philly would never trade Ben Simmons for Mike Conley. I'm just saying Ben Simmons has to figure something out because Philly needs shooting. I got a trade for you. All right. Mar- Marvin Bagley, and he's not the, the, the diamond of this trade, and Buddy Heald, and maybe a pick or two for either Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons. I'd rather it be for Tobias Harris if I'm a sixer because I would like to keep Ben Simmons. And if you put Buddy next to him, you can replace, uh, you can put Bagley next to, to Embiid and maybe you can get some juice out of that um, that fruit. I don't know. Well, wrong word. You guys know what I meant. You can get some something. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you can get something from Bagley, I think, if a change of scenery happens. But if you get some shooting around, if you move one of those contracts, and, and if you're Philly, you want to move Tobias over Ben just because of the, the possibilities. And you get some shooting there, and, and Tobias goes to Sacramento, and he may be able to flourish on that team at that four spot. Um, why wouldn't that work? Why can't that work? So we, we move Seth Curry to the bench, right? I think Seth Curry should be on the bench. Yeah, which, I, which tracks? On some Lou Williams-type six-man award winner of the year. It's not a, a, a problem with Seth Curry. I just think that Seth Curry should be a marksman. Just because he's Steph's brother doesn't mean, and, his, and he works for his dad or his father-in-law, doesn't mean you get to start. I understand that nepotism as well. But at the same time, doesn't mean you should start just because you're because your last name's Curry. You know? Um, and I, I think... I mean, I, I'm glad to agree, yeah. Yeah, and I, and, and I think that him coming off the bench actually provides them the scoring that they need and maybe he finishes the game as well um i just think philly has to make a move um i I think so too and i think the move you made makes sense i think contractually it's going to be a a monster to figure out right and likely means that the sixers are going to have to do what they don't want and throw in those kind of mid-tier guys that they rely on because in addition to that massive Harris contract, they're probably going to have to round it out with a bunch of seven to five million guys, right? Uh, which will mean, you know, Shake Milton, Cormaz, Tyrese Maxey's not making any money. You yeah, but but to. teams but teams would want Tyrese Maxey though. You, you would, but I think he would have he wouldn't be a throw-in per se, but he would be on the back end of that trade simply because he's making nothing, right? Right. He's, he's and Thibel. Rookie calorie move. And Thibel. Thibel's a great defensive player, and I think teams would, would, would say, hey, we'll take Tobias's huge contract. You throw in Maxi and, and Thibel with us, we'll take it. And I, I would, I'd go to war with Matisse Thibel. Definitely. Any day of the week. Definitely, definitely. Let me read something else to you, because this could be a, a question that came up as well. Maybe it's not the players that needs to be traded. I'm going to read you off a list of things. 2009, Celtics up 3-2 to two on Orlando. 2010, Celtics up 3-2 to two on the Lakers in the finals, lose the series. 2012, Celtics up 3-2 to two on the Heat in the East, Eastern Conference Finals, lose the series. 2013, Clippers on a 3-2, up 3-2 to two on the Grizzlies. Lose the series. Lose game seven at home. 2014. So on and so on and so on and so on and so on. The one thing that this has in common, it's a guy named Doc Rivers. And I am wondering if we've had this conversation before, Sean. Is this the Boston Celtics Doc, Doc Rivers 
or is this the Orlando Magic Doc Rivers? Now, we do understand Grant Hill was hurt to play with Tracy McGrady and, and Tim Duncan didn't show up. But is Doc not the problem, but is Doc the concern or the issue there? Do you remember what Dwight Howard um, nicknamed uh, Stan Van Gundy during their falling out? I don't. I do remember Stan Van Gundy talking about Dwight and Dwight was right next to him. But what did he call Stan Van Gundy? The master of panic. (sighs) (sighs) That is often what I think about Doc Rivers. (sighs) Particularly when it comes to the playoffs. Because seemingly year in, year out... We have that shot of him on the bench, you know, with about six minutes left in a fourth quarter of an elimination game. With a look that I can only describe as, I don't know what's happening. Somebody help me, please. (laughs) Right. Now, I never want, I will never in a million years say that Doc Rivers is not a good coach. Right. I I wasn't saying that either, people. I think Doc Rivers is. You're not either. He has a 59% winning percentage. As a head coach um, throughout, what is it? Uh, let me do the math real quick. 15 14, years? 22 years? 22 years. It's been that many. Wow. Five years Orlando, nine years yep. Boston, seven Clippers, one Philly. Wow. It's impre- it's impressive. Six and eight in game sevens, though. Six and nine now. But, and that's the only stat that matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the only stat that matters. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, Doc, but maybe it's something in the water. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just the mentality there, but his teams show the same flaws as the issue. Right. It's not just Doc Rivers' temperament, which I often, frankly, find unacceptable. It's that every year it's the same lack of adjustments and same flaws where you and I, who um, I haven't coached a game of basketball in my life. I'm pretty sure you have. I, I have. Uh, I coached the AAU team. right? Yeah. Um, but you and I can call out adjustments on the floor that he doesn't see. Definitely. And that doesn't make sense. You and I could go on with uh, Skip Bayless in the morning and digress about the lack of rota- of of smart rotations, about adjustments. It's it's very apparent that Doc Rivers doesn't see this stuff until after the game. He goes. <laughs> I mean, we can all do table. armchair coach, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He goes and says, "I need to watch the tape." Well, guess what? When you're on an airplane after Game Seven, watching the tape gets you nowhere. Nowhere. I love playing Monday morning quarterback. It does me nothing. No good though. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I I agree too. I mean, just look at like. Okay, you you win you win the NBA championship in two thousand seven two thousand eight with the Boston Celtics, and doing this you have a sixty two percent playoff winning percentage, awesome team, unbelievable team. Next year, fifty. Next year, Eastern Conference champs, you know, sixty three, and then okay, fifty seven, fifty five, thirty three, forty six, fifty, thirty three, forty three, thirty three. It's just it's. A master of panic. A master of panic. I know who's it's, been. I know who's been doing a great job of coaching. Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan. I don't think that interim tag should be on there anymore. I think Travis Slink should have a contract waiting for him in his office today, um, because there will be teams calling Nate McMillan if they don't lock him up fast. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Of course, we're talking about that beat Philadelphia in Philly, Game Seven. Game five in Philly, Nate McMillan, great coaching. Um, I, t- I was talking to my mentor, uh, my former GM in Atlanta a couple of days ago. Nate's, he's, you can see that he's being able to reach Trey Young. 
you know, Trey Young is distributing the ball a lot more than he was under Lloyd Pierce. You know, Trey is still a shoot first guy, but he's actually looking to make a pass now because he's realizing, hey, 25 and 12 is better than 35 and five, you know, on on any board. You know, um, the Atlanta Hawks, you know, and, and to think about Philly's home record, I think they're like 61 and nine over the last three years at home minus the bubble. And the Atlanta Hawks, the young Atlanta Hawks, were able to go in there and win two games uh, on the road. And, and, and most of that, all of that, I'm sorry, all of that is attributed to Nate McMillan and his in-game um, changes, his in-game um, um, changes on defense and things of that sort. What, what, is, is, I mean, did Doc just get out coached or did those young players just beat those other? I mean, I know Embiid and Simmons are young as well, but they're not as young as the Hawks. But what happened there? Was it just a collapse or was just Atlanta was just much more hungrier? It was a collapse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Noah Foden, taking nothing of Dave McMillan, who um, uh, on the long term, after the playoffs, might might have deserved coach of the year. Right? <laughs> hey, Nate should have got coach of the year. After, just from the second half of the season, you know, if guys, if guys can get, if Lamelo can get rookie of the year for missing forty games, and Ben Simmons got rookie of the year for missing a ton of games, why can't Nate McMillan get coach of the year for missing the first forty games? I mean, I love Thibodeau, but I, I would have given that award to Monty Williams. Oh, but, definitely. Uh, Nate McMillan would have would have been my number two. Definitely. Uh, the issue is that the Hawks are a year of a, ahead of schedule right now. Yes. Uh, Travis Schlenk, I, I can't say enough about what he's done by announcing his vis- his vision to basically turn this into a Golden State Warriors 2.0. Definitely. And then executing this pretty spectacularly over three or four years. I had some hesitance over the offseason because it seemed like he was trying to have it both ways, have a young core right. and then throw all this money at these uh, old guys. Right. But it's paid off great. You uh, know, particularly mm-hmm. because of the injuries. Definitely. And I tell, I think I said this on the last um, podcast or I said it to my buddies or whatever. This Hawks team reminds me of that Golden State team with the Harrison Barnes right before they start winning. And, you know, you, you did give a ton of money to Gallo and you did give a ton of money to, to, to Bogey. But <clears throat> they're your Andre Iguodala and your Sean Livingston all over again. Clint Capella is your Andrew Bogut. And then you have a bunch of young guys Two who didn't even play, who are under 22 years old, and Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. We still have to see what's up with Cam Reddish because, uh, you know, I don't know if he's just it's the game is just a little too fast for him, or his injuries are just not keep putting him on the on the court. But DeAndre Hunter, he looks like a player, and that team actually is a lot younger than that Golden State team. Trey's under 23, DeAndre's under 23, uh, Cam Reddish. I saw something in Onyike Okongwu. He's getting better by the game, and he's only like 19. This Atlanta Hawks team, man, I tell you, they may, they may make a move. Don't, don't, don't call me crazy. They may make a Kevin Durant trade, not for Kevin Durant, but yeah, not for Kevin Durant. But remember when the Warriors went and got Kevin? The, the Hawks are going to make a move in the next year or two, and it might, and it might be not signing John Collins because. John Collins is making a lot of money now. He's a unrestricted free or he's a free agent this offseason. I think he's restricted. And some team may offer him $25, $30 million a year. And I don't know if I'm the Hawks if I match that. Well, it's about reading your window, right? Um, 
I, I think the Hawks are in the perfect position to still make a consolidation trade. Yes. Because they have so many pieces. Yes. And so many directions they go. And it's just about evaluating your assets. Like, obviously, Trey Young is your guy. Uh, Capella, you keep. Uh, but everybody else for me, I would like to keep DeAndre Hunter as well. But I would like to keep him. Is, is, you know, is kind of up in the air. I like Oneko quite a bit, but in doing in saying that, I believe he's a very valuable trade piece. And I think packaged with a guy like Kevin Horder, oh. in a couple picks, you might be able to get something real juicy, whether it's a Bradley Beal. Oh. <laughs> and to, just imagine. I mean, and even now, I mean, with the team as as is consistent right now, it would not blow my mind for them to beat the Bucks. They're going to beat the Bucks, Sean. I think they might. They're going to beat the Bucks. <laughs> I think they're playing with house money. Yes, they are. I think Nate McMillan has figured something out and would be a great coach for a team like the Indiana Pacers, by the way, but I digress. Right. Um, well, he was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he was. And, Been there, uh, done that. <laughs> and if uh, Nate McMillan pantsed Doc Rivers on national television, pants Tom Thibodeau, who I adore on national television, what is he going to do to Tom Thibodeau's mentor? Oh. I mean, not mentor, excuse me. What is he going to do to Mike Budenholzer, who uh, really has shown me nothing? You know, I, I, I don't know, man, because they are playing with house money. And this series is going to... I hope DeAndre Hunter can play. And the reason being is because he's smaller than Giannis and no one can shut down Giannis, but he has the body that can put he can put on Giannis and Giannis can't start from the top of the key and take two steps and get to the hole without getting bumps and bruises because then he has Capella or a, a, a Kongu waiting for him at the rim and I hope that DeAndre Hunter plays in this series because if he does I do have the Hawks but you did mention Kevin Herter man look you can send a package unbelievable. unbelievable and you can send a package of Herter a Kongu and DeAndre Hunter and a pick or two for Brad Bill and I think that helps both teams. That helps Washington, and that helps Atlanta. And you can have like a three-headed monster in Trey, Bogey, and Brad, who any team's going to have a hard time guarding those three guys. And that's what I was saying. That the, don't Look for the Hawks to make a KD-type trade, and it might be Brad Bill coming come there. I think so, too. It's going to be... Let's say they do make the finals, though, right? Right. What does the narrative become? I, I'm going to have to make our predictions eventually. I don't think the Hawks win the finals if they get there. They don't. That that being said, if they take a game, and the idea becomes, well, look at Kevin DeAndre wasn't there. Look at Oniqua. Right. One more year. Yeah. Do you do you convince yourself to keep this keep this going or not? Like if they get swept by the Bucks, let's say. Right. Okay, don't blow it up, but consolidate, go all in. Right. But if you put the, either the living fear of the Bucks, the living fear of God into the Bucks, or you beat them, it changes. It does change. It definitely changes. Um, the only thing is, if you taste it, and Travis Schlink has tasted it in Golden State, and he, he, he knows how to play chess instead of checkers. And if... Let's just say they beat the Bucks and they lose in the finals, which I think could happen. I think that Western Conference team is going to win uh, the finals, um, whether it's Phoenix or the Clippers. But just like the Warriors, that 73-9 and nine team lost to the Cavs in that offseason, they went and got Kevin Durant. I can see the Hawks 
and Travis Schlink pulling a Bob Myers because he's been through this before. And like, hey, we've tasted it. We like it. We have a nice five-year window. No team but Phoenix, Atlanta, and that's probably it. Have a, have a window so large just because of their youth, you know, and adding another vet like Brad Bill, just like what Chris Paul did, is doing with Phoenix um, might be the way to go. But I still can't pay John Collins 30 million a year. I cannot. I think we can both agree that I can't do can't. it. I can't do it. I can't do it because now you're getting a Gordon Hayward type contract, you know, where it's like not that John Collins can't get better. But I think his ceiling is right about where he is. Like, he's not going to turn into a 25 and 12 guy. You know, he's going to stay probably where he is. He could be a 17 and 8 guy, and that's fine. But is that $30 million fine? I don't think so, especially when you got Trey coming up, especially when you got Herter coming up, especially then you're going to have, you know, all those guys coming up. And and you got to have some money sitting around there. I just just know that Travis Travis Schlink has a – ton of decisions that he needs to make coming soon. I, I, I think so too. But that being said, like everything the guy has done has worked out spectacularly. Right. And I'm so loving what I, I'm seeing from him. there. Uh, speaking of trades and coaches and Indiana and all that, where's Rick Carlisle going? I wonder if he sits out a year. And like a TNT host or something. To, I wonder if he goes to NBA to ESPN, frankly. Yes. Okay. And just does studio work. You know, he left three years on the table. Yeah. And I don't think you leave three years on the table unless things are that bad. You don't quit leaving three t- years on the table, which means you got fired, which means what's happening in Dallas. You know, Donnie Nelson leaves. Luca's mad. Uh, Rick Carlisle is gone. Uh, Mark Cuban and 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 his 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 people uh, are are making decisions which they should. He's the owner; he can do what he want to do, you know. But Dallas, they just look like a mess right now. Chris Stops is overpaid. What's up with the Dallas Mavericks? Well, I think it's like you said; it's it's a mess, absolute mess. Uh, the timing of this whole thing is interesting where uh, I think Donnie Nelson leaked that information to the Atlantic, where an article was written that painted a very clear picture that Mark Cuban had fallen in love with uh, Bob Vulgaris. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Bob Vulgaris um, isn't a basketball guy. He is um, a betting savant. Right. He basically um, is very good at analyzing what he feels are betting lines and statistical trends and made a good deal of money on this. Um, Mark Cuban, I believe, is in the same circles as him, as kind of a tech guy and entrepreneur. Yeah. I don't think you can rule out the fact that they're both frequent guests on Bill Simmons' show. Right. I think that's where that came. Uh, Vulgaris was poached and uh, poached to that organization. And within two years, it appears he not only engaged in a power struggle with Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson, but won. And he definitely won. <laughs> and it's it's very troubling, particularly if you believe the leaks that said uh, Luca was on Team Carlisle and Team Nelson. Right. Because this guy is your basketball Jesus. Yes, he is. Uh, the minute LeBron James walks off the court for the last time, yes. Luca is the greatest player in basketball. Definitely. If he's not right now. Definitely. Uh, you need to do everything to massage that guy, feed him grapes, 
yes. get, get his uh, brother, maybe uh, get Thanasis Don- Donich and uh, yep. Kostis Donich yeah. on the team. <laughs> yes. Do and, what you can, because <laughs> that is the truth. Yes, that is, definitely. Um, I, I don't I, know if Cuban fell in love with his own brilliance. I, I believe he is brilliant. Um, you don't make that much of money in that short of time without doing it, but this is the first real time I can say that I do not understand what's going on in Dallas. So, so here, here's my thought on this. I think that there's some friction between um, Kristaps and Luca. I don't know why, but I think there is. Just like there's some friction between it's Embiid and Simmons, right? It's, One of them right. can't do the job you're paying them to do. It, it's Joker and and Michael Porter sooner, pretty soon. Michael Porter Jr. pretty soon. It's, somebody thinks that they're better than they are, <laughs> and they probably don't understand that you're Robin. You're not Batman. And I think Chris Stops, when he was in New York, he thought he was Batman, but he probably wasn't. It was just the New York hype, just like Linsanity. And that fueled him a little bit differently. I think you have to make a move and you got to get Chris Stops out of there. I got another trade, Sean. You want to hear it? Tell it to me. It's the same one that Philly did. Marvin Bagley and Buddy Hill for Chris Stops Porzingis. Here's what I do. Chris Stops, I think he would flourish in Sacramento. I think he, I think he would flourish on that team, and I think Bagley, like I said, change of scenery, um, with with Luca. I think Buddy Hill's going to be standing over there in the corner. He can do what Tim Hardaway Jr. can do at a cheaper rate. A younger person. Um, I think you go and get Andre Drummond this off season, and I think you go get Demar Derozan this off season, and you'll have a starting lineup of Luca, Buddy Hill, Demar Derozan. Marvin Bagley and Andre Drummond just to clean up and grab 25 boards from all those misses. And I think Dallas would then be something to look at. I, 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 I mean, I love the idea. I would also throw another name in here where I, if I was Dallas, I'd be really sniffing around Miles Turner. Yes. Because I think they're about ready to be done with this yes. Sabonis Turner thing. And I yeah. think Turner solves their need for big their need for interior defense and their need to be a three-point shooting and lets them not throw out the five-headed monster of, you know, Cleaver, Powell, Willie Cauley-Stein, right. Boban. You got to clear that money. You have frankly, to. Frankly, you got to clear Josh Richardson's money yeah, as I, well. He, he, he has a player option and I think it's at $11 million. I think he declines that because he can get another four-year, $40 million deal, you know. Yeah. Um, and so you, you hope that Josh Richardson, hey, Nice knowing you. Same thing with Tim Hardaway. Hey, we love you. We'll bring you back for 10. We're not bringing you back for 20. You know, and I think that Buddy Hill's already under contract for a few years and, and Marvin Bagley's on, a, uh, you know, his rookie contract still for another year. I think that uh, Dallas has to make that move or I have one more trade, Sean. Yes. Tell me. Luca gets moved. What? And, and here's 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 why. If Luca has an issue with Bob, as what I've been hearing, you can send Luca for Ben Simmons and maybe Thibel or Maxi. And now Luca on Philly, yes, that's awesome, that's deadly. But Ben Simmons coming back with a player or two, Thibel and Maxi or Tobias or one of those guys, it can probably help both teams because if Luca wants to get out of Dallas, which I don't know why he would. But he might, you know, he can go to Philly. And if Ben Simmons needs to get out of Philly, then you might have to try to find someone who would take Philly. And Mark Cuban would be more than happy 
to take Ben Simmons if he if 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 his superstar is saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Well, here's my issue. If you are Dallas and you are trading Luca, you need to get maybe the most first round draft picks in the history of trades. <laughs> I, I don't know, five, six, certainly more than the Bucks gave up for Drew Holiday. Right, right. right. Certainly more than if, Brooklyn gave up for James Harden. And if you're trading Luca, who's so young, to a team like the Sixers, the window is for the Sixers to win right now. Right. And unless those picks are um, conveyed in such a way that they're not until that window comes crashing down. Right. I mean, you get Simmons, Tybalt, Maxi, and what? The uh, the 30th the pick? The 18th pick of the draft. Right. Or the 30th pick of the draft yeah. for six years. Right. It's just the problem where Luca's too good. Right. So here's what I do. I tell Luca, I'm so sorry. We made a whole bunch of mistakes. Maybe I sign his dad to be the strength and conditioning coach. Right. And or his mom could be up. the his mom could yeah. come there too. Oh yeah, bring his mom. Yeah. I blow this team up. Yes. Just blow it. Blow it up. Straight to the ground. Yep. I keep I keep Josh Green. Yes. I keep Tyler Bay. Yes. And I keep Tyrell Terry. Yes, they're all on rookie contracts and they're all very young, but they're very good. Yeah. Everyone else gets moved for picks. Yep. Bad contracts and picks or decent role players. I then do what you did, uh, what you proposed, maybe get DeMar DeRozan. Well, absolutely get DeRozan. Sign Andre Drummond to a one-year big prove-it deal with an option for two. Yep. And supplement this thing with the understanding that this team is completely different. We're going to try to be the sixth to eighth spot of the playoffs, but our future is, is now about finding... Batman to I mean Robin to Lucas Batman definitely but you need to do this next year yes you cannot waste any more years any more years of Lucas career at all you can't you need to make this now you definitely need to make this now now here here's the thing I've been hearing that Jason Kidd may get the head coaching job uh with Dallas that one might work actually Jason has to be in a position where he can't usurp management or his GM to try to get uh, to the owner, Mark, because Mark Cuban's not having that, you know, um, like the coup he tried to pull in Milwaukee. He's not going to be able to pull that in Dallas. Are we sure, though? Because, I mean, Bob Volgaris did that. Yeah, which means that Jason can't. <laughs> it's already taken. The job's already taken. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Mark Cuban. Maybe you ever seen Lord of the Rings? Yes. You, you know, uh, King Theoden with worm tongue. Mm-hmm. Maybe all he needs is that, you know, that silver tongued advisor. I, I don't know, because. It's like you said, like for anybody who doesn't remember, the reason Jason Kidd got fired in Brooklyn was he went up to uh, ownership and said, I should be the GM of this team, too. Right. That was Brooklyn. And, that wasn't Milwaukee. Or was that both? <laughs> oh, he, he might have been both. Yeah. <laughs> he gets fired in Brooklyn because they liked Billy King more. Mm-hmm. I mean, that turned out to be a disaster, but still. Definitely. Uh, he goes to Milwaukee because the connections he made in Brooklyn were these two New York uh, hedge fund men, guys named Wes Edens and Mark Lowry. Yep. And when they bought the Bucks, they uh, it was a shoe in deal that he would get that job. Mm. Uh, Jason Kidd proceeded to destroy Giannis's shooting form. Yes. Um, destroy the confidence of people like Grievous Vasquez, who had a couple good years, and a couple other role players. And uh, do one of the most inexplicable things I've ever seen, where uh, the team was up by three, I believe. Chris Middleton was at the line, and he told Chris Middleton to miss a free throw 
because he believed it was harder. It was harder for a team to get a four a four point play by not being able to advance the ball rather than simply being up by four based on a Chris Middleton free throw. Mm. When I saw Jason have the player bump into him so he can knock the water out of his hand so that they can mop the floor up because he didn't have any timeouts, I was like, okay, Jason, I see you kind of, you're kind of okay, conniving a little bit. I see you. You might be a genius, but everything else suggests he's a bad human being and a bad coach. <laughs> um, so either, I mean, to his credit, he has not stabbed Frank Vogel in the back yet. Right. He's been a very good, loyal right-hand man. Right. And uh, his playing career is unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest point guards of all time. Yeah. If you put in the right security system and insula- insulation in your organization, then fine. But do not expect Jason Kidd to come in and uh, be a good soldier. I just wouldn't say, I wouldn't advise they make that mistake. It, it's going to be crazy to hear that. One quick question um, before we move on. Okay. <laughs> the Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Doncic trade. Um, who won that? Both teams. Okay. Because Cam Reddish came with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an even trade, right? Both teams. We, we don't need to be... Is it depending on Cam Reddish? Is it also depending on Cam Reddish's career? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. But the fact is, Trey Young has made uh, Eastern Conference Finals when Luka has never made it past the first round of the playoffs, right? Exactly. And everyone thought that trade... That's why I brought it up. Everyone thought that trade was crazy when it happened. Or last year... Uh, when Luca was going in an MVP role, or the in this year as well. But now seeing Trey, I think Trey has changed his mindset. Like I said, I think that's due to Nate McMillan. Um, that trade might be pretty even right now. I mean, this is not uh, a Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie thing right. anymore, right? Right. Or uh, Greg Oden, Kevin Durant. Yeah, it's 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 not. It's two really really good players who are picked in the same draft. Yes. There's no shame in that. Just like there's no shame in DeAndre Ayton also being in that draft. I'm not mad at James Jones, um, mm-hmm. executive of the, of the year, for, for making that move because they had uh, Devin Booker. They had Luka's coach, I think, in Phoenix at that time, coaching the Suns. And it was just – Yes. And it was just – it was seems like a great fit. You putting Luka next to Booker, which still is, seems very sexy. But grabbing DeAndre Ayton first um, – as opposed to Marvin Bagley, who was from who was from Arizona, and and I know Aiton is too, um, and and getting Aiton and being comfortable with making that pick, kudos to James Jones, your 2020 2021 Executive of the Year, which I'm so happy about. And it's it's well deserved. I would have been I would have been outraged if he didn't get it. Definitely, definitely. I think the easy answer would have been to give it to Brooklyn. Right. Uh, but in light of what happened, that clearly but, wasn't the case. But the, what but what actually did Sean Marks do? He really didn't do anything he bringing James. He team death to get James. Yeah. Team it, death to get James Harden, who was in terrible shape. And uh, it came back to bite him in the ass in the playoffs. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like the winner doesn't always get the reward. And it sh- and you shouldn't get the reward just because you put the. I could have made that deal. I could have made the James Harden deal with Houston and, and brought it. If Kyrie and KD already had a love affair going on that they knew they were going to play with each other. It's It's easy. But like you said, Jared Allen, they sure could have used him this this um in against Capella and, and I mean against Milwaukee and all that. Uh Karis Levert coming off the bench scoring. If Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't get injured, you know, now the team is deep and James Harden, you know, 
I think Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen are as good as James Harden. <laughs> I think when you look at the salaries and when you look at um, – how do I say this? Uh-oh. The headspace they're in. Okay. That was a nice way of putting it. I thought you were about to get uh, us canceled, Sean. In terms of being a good soldier. Right. Right? Right. I think Spencer Dinwiddie has been an incredible teammate. Uh, Karis LeVert has well. Uh, Jared Allen seems like a great guy. And yeah. James Harden seems like an incredibly gifted man who just wants to be left alone and go to strip clubs. Hey, hey, you know, sometimes the wings, the lemon pepper wings are awesome. Teach their own, man. Teach yeah. their own, you know. I'm not <laughs> judging him as a, as a wing connoisseur. He's a wing, he's a wing chaser. <laughs> he loves those birds. Yeah, he does love those birds. He loves those birds. Let's move over to the Western Conference. <laughs> it's 118 degrees in Phoenix. But in that arena, it was probably 250 degrees. Uh, the Phoenix Suns take a 1-0 lead over the Clippers by an incredible performance by Devin Booker, minus Chris Paul. Devin Booker had his first triple-double. He was legendary, as his, his mentor Kobe Bryant told him to be. And Devin Booker, I think, is just... Man, Not that he, he's not shocking me, but it's a little bit of a jolt because... I, Devin Booker's a great shooter, and he showed it. His mid-range mid-range game is awesome. The little alley-oop to Miles Bridges at the end, Michael Bridges, one of those bridges, um, at the end when he probably could have pulled up, but he said, no, you know what? Let me uh, do this live to Bridges. Boy, those Phoenix Suns, they look awesome. I mean, I, this team's going to win the championship. Okay, okay, okay. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'd put money on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on who wins, like I, I think they're going to beat the Clippers probably in. Um, well, it depends on Chris Paul. Here's what I'm going to say right now: I don't believe Kawhi Leonard's going to be back. Okay, and that's huge. And it's it's absolutely huge because he's spectacular. If he did come back, I would give the Clippers a puncher's chance of winning the series. I still think they'd lose, but okay. it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but I believe Kawhi Leonard could do catastrophic injury to his knee and should not play. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Kawhi Leonard opts out. Oh, I think so, too. I think Kawhi Leonard ends up in Portland. Ooh, that would be, oh, my God, would that solve some issues right there, wouldn't it? I think Kawhi Leonard ends up in Portland this offseason. Can you imagine swapping Carmelo Anthony for Kawhi Leonard? Come on, man. Come on, man. Is that that team, what, a locked-in number two seed at least in the West? Come on, man. That's what I'm talking about. I think think they locked up Paul George because Paul George doesn't go anywhere. I know they're both from L.A., but Portland's not that far when you got private jets. You know, um, I, I don't know if Kawhi is <sighs> the first initial thought when Kawhi got hurt. And I'm sorry, Kawhi, I'm about to say this. I thought he said, you know what? We're about to lose this series. I'm about to shut it down. Yes. And then now they won the series and now they're in the, in the Western Conference Finals. If Kawhi does come back, then it's really going to prove my point. Oh, you were about to fake it. You know, and I think that that is my only issue. It's kind of like, um, okay. And I know he doesn't want to do damage to that knee. And I totally understand that because that's your career. Um, but at the same time, and I'm not a knee expert at the same time, I think, I think Kawhi is going to come back and that's going to, and that's going to raise questions and eyebrows to me. If, I mean, if there are two people in the NBA though, who would not put up with that? It has to be Rajon Rondo and Boogie Cousins, though, right? 
But if it's going to... They saw that happening. Rijan Rondo is calling his press conference and saying Kawhi Leonard is a coward. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, though. I, I could I could see it. Like, it wouldn't shock me, especially with the nature of that Clippers that were a team that we found out last year after all those guys left where Leonard and George were pampered and the rest of the team right. was left to their own devices. Definitely. And what's Ty Lue going to say? No, Kawhi, you can't play. <laughs> Ty- Tyrone Lue was kept not because he's a great X and O's guy, but because he's a really nice guy that stars get along with. Definitely. every Everybody loves Ty Lue. Yeah, then nobody's going to say a bad thing about Ty Lue. So... If Kawhi Leonard doesn't come back, I think he leaves. Mm-hmm. If he does come back and they lose, I think he leaves. And if he comes back and he wins and then they lose the finals, because I, I believe it's a 50-50 proposition. Definitely. Because I think that guy goes where his gut tells him to go. Right. So, I mean, reverting back to where we are, right? Mm-hmm. This Suns team is awesome. Yes, they Just are. Just awesome. What James Jones did in this offseason with Jay Crowder and uh, that contract with identifying campaign as a keeper. Yeah. With guys like Tory Craig just yep. pl- plucked out of nowhere who is now an absolute asset to that team. Definitely. Knowing to go in all, on, all in on Mikael Bridges. Oh, yeah. And then finally saying, look, Ricky Rubio was great for us, but Chris Paul's on the table. I want Chris Paul. Definitely. He has changed this team to the point. Where yesterday they did not have Chris Paul, and they still had 30 assists and seven turnovers. You know, don't see, and and you'll know this better than a lot of folks. When he picked Cam Johnson, people were calling him crazy. When I he called him crazy. When he picked Jalen Smith, people were calling him crazy. Yeah. And I firmly believe that Jalen Smith is gonna be the greatest backup center. Ever. Because ever? ever. He's going to be on some uh, Michael Thompson to Kareem. You are aware that Greg Ostertag played for the Utah Jazz, right? Yeah, but he wasn't a backup. <laughs> no. Yeah, he wasn't a backup. <laughs> he was the starting center. I'm talking about the oh, backups okay. like Michael Thompson was to Kareem. Oh, am I thinking of Frank Burkowski, by the way? No, that was Frank Burkowski. All right, continue your yeah. point. Sorry. And so James, James Jones is drafting for need. He's not drafting just because someone's hot. And their name is Fly. He's drafting, hey, I need to have a backup for DeAndre Ayton because my center is going to miss 10 games a year sometimes. You know, and Cam Johnson, you know, he's nice and long and young. Just like I said about the, the Atlanta Hawks, this Phoenix team is when your second, when your best player is under 25, you know, and I'm not talking about, I'm not even concerned about Chris Paul's age because it's more mental what he provides for the team than anything else. I mean, of course, it's pull-up jumpers and, and you know, getting past and making great lobs to DeAndre Ayton and all that other type of stuff. But it goes beyond his basketball game on the court. I think off the court, because the first thing that Ayton and Booker did on their way out of that game was FaceTime Chris Paul. You know, so I think that this Phoenix Suns team is, has a window, and it'd be, it would be great to see Atlanta and Phoenix run off five um, championship runs together like the Warriors in Cleveland did, and one team wins three and the other team wins two um, because that team is young, hungry, and ready to roll. I think there's a good chance that uh, the Suns win the championship this year. Chris Paul opts out, goes somewhere else, and uh, next year, basically as 
currently constructed, this Suns team still wins 45 to 50 games. So you think Chris Paul could leave? I no. Think he, I think it will could be a Kawhi Leonard situation if the Raptors, where he wins a championship, says, my work here is done, I'm leaving, and the city is like, okay, we love you, let's build a statue of you, thank you for everything. Nah, Sean, I'm sorry. For, for, for the first time in 2021, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Oh, man. I think Chris Paul opts out and then he gets another three year, $100 million deal. Um, and that locks up your, that's your window right there. Um, I think that they do need to draft a backup. I, I love campaign, but I think they need to get another guard in this draft and just groom him. Find the best Josh Gaudet. Find the best point guard out there to run with these young bucks. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, cause Chris Paul's, I know he's from Carolina, but he's a West coast guy. He's not going back to the Clippers. Could he go to the Lakers? Maybe, but I think he loves the West coast and Phoenix is as close as you're going to get to the West coast. Yeah, I, I do get the impression he's very happy here. Yes. Um, I, we, we know of his relationship with Monty Williams. Yes. It's basically almost father and son. Or and that's the other like thing. Brothers. Definitely. And that's the other uh, thing. Yeah, knowing that, I believe if anybody can figure out a, a contract that works for both sides, it's it's you know it's James Jones. Definitely, and 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 they they share a common homie in LeBron James, um, and oh, so. Do you think LeBron would jump? I think LeBron would. <sighs> let tell, I don't want to say tell like he's his dad or something, but I think he would uh, help Chris understand. Hey, stay in Phoenix with James Jones, unless you're coming here. Let's go on. Uh, it's me first, or James Jones, or one of my buddies. It's Rich uh, Paul's making that phone call. If you thought LeBron James's legacy couldn't get any worse, could you imagine if he spends his next couple years just jumping back and forth from one situation to another? I could see LeBron going to Phoenix. Yeah, I could. I really could. I could. I mean, at this point, I could see him going to Brooklyn. I, no, I don't think. No, that's one team. I don't see him going. I could see him saying, "I'll go to Atlanta." That's LeBron James. Yes, right. I could see LeBron James jumping ship and saying, "You know what? My work here is done as well. I'm going to go to Atlanta. I'm going to go to one of these young teams and jump on that bandwagon because they're winning without me. So me going there would only increase it because LeBron's got another year and a half, two years of of greatness and that's diminishing as well um but i do uh think that that phoenix suns team is is on a rise being up one nothing on the clippers you were in that stadium the other night weren't you oh my god it is um it is one of the more impressive arenas i've ever been in Mm -hmm. with with the fans yep we're talking earplugs yes earplugs in the arena uh, the BLA chants oh. just, just definitely. Oh. Yeah, that, everyone loves the beat LA chant. They, they came out in a big way. So you have the Suns beating uh, the Clippers, correct? I do. And and what do you have that? Six games, five games? If Kawhi plays six games, if Kawhi does not play five games. Okay, okay. I still have the Clippers. I still have the Clippers winning in six. Um, I think they win game two. Uh, and they win their home games, and then that just takes care of of, of the series. Um, Here's my issue with that, though. There's nothing they can do to stop DeAndre. Nothing. He, Unless Boogie Cousins' job is to punch him in the face and get DeAndre ejected. Well, he did it to Sarek, so he he's capable. Yeah, I mean, but that was an adjustment, right, that Monty <laughs> made? Yeah. Where Aiton was getting some fouls and getting some physicality. He puts in Sarek, and 
it wasn't that huge a drop off. The fact is, Aiden is has developed to a point where I think you can almost call him and Booker a big two. I think you can too. I think Bridges goes in there too, though, Sean. I would put it, I would put Bridges as a two and a half right now. Yes, because Bridges is is he's almost locked down. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's locked down three and D guy. Yes. And I think, and he's got a nice, we've talked about uh, Bridges before, and he's got a, a, he seems very humble. He seems like he doesn't mind being the, the fourth guy on the team because he knows that Chris Paul is going to turn 100 years old one day, you know, so I'll be the third guy, and I'm okay with that as well. Who you got over in the East? Coach Bud against his former team, the Atlanta Hawks. Let's see. I'm going to say it's another seven-game series. Okay. And I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go wild here and say it's the Hawks. Okay, I have the Hawks as well. Um, I think Nate McMillan will make some adjustments, um, and I, I really feel that 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 the Hawks are just destined for some strange reason. And I think that Giannis. Now, this is the year Giannis should is supposed to win because all the big guys are gone. You know, Brooklyn's gone. The Lakers are gone. You know, those guys are gone. So, but if Giannis doesn't win this and and Coach Bud loses to his former employers, that's going to be a stain on Coach Bud. And does he keep his job or they say, oh, no. we got, he doesn't, right? I didn't he'll, think he'll so. He'll be fired before they even get to the tarmac. Right. <laughs> You're done here. <laughs> yeah. He's, he'll, he'll be done. You know, they'll maybe help him to pack his bags. But like you said, this is crucial. Giannis has no excuses right now. None. Drew Holiday has no excuses. That first Drew two and three, those first three quarters, he looked terrible. Those first six games, he really looked terrible. I mean, he is not worth the money they are paying him right oh, now. Oh, and they re-signed him to about $180 million. So they're stuck with him. And let's say it right here. Um, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are making far too much money. Yes. Definitely. And those contracts become dire if they do not win the championship this year. Definitely. That's it. That's it. They're they're locked in. They have no picks. They have no money. They have no assets other than White Dante, who can't even play right now. Right. And And I I love what I saw from White Dante this year. Yeah, White Dante's good. Yeah, he is. He's really good. Yeah, he's definitely really good. Um, There have been some some changes in coaching. We talked about Rick Carlisle. Uh, Stan Van Gundy um, was let go. Um, Zion is now on his third coach in three years. His family has came, come out and say that he doesn't want to be in New Orleans, which, you know, if I'm Zion, I'm telling my family, hey, don't speak for me, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think Zion, you know, teams usually have about six or seven years with their rookie because they have their rookie contract and then they can just add on again um, to the extension. But can Zion force his way out of New Orleans? And, and does David Griffin, what does he do to kind of appease Zion? If Zion wants to leave, he leaves. He's gone, right? And, and this is this is not good. Not at all. This is Adam Silver's fault. He has done a terrible job addressing the player empowerment movement, which I don't think is completely a bad thing. But we have for some reason decided to view sports as um, – like a job, right? Well, it is. It is. I mean, but but if you let's say if you and I want to go to I don't know, let's say we're working at Burger King. Yeah. And uh, there's a job at Costco. Yeah. That can offer us three dollars more in benefits. Yeah. 
no one can tell me um, I'm doing the wrong thing for myself and my family. Right. Now, if I'm in New Orleans for 41 games out of the year and I'm making $35 million or something Mm -hmm. and I decide I want to go to Brooklyn for $32 million, I do not believe it's a valid one-to-one comparison. And I believe too often people who defend player empowerment to that extent um, shoot themselves in the foot here. Hmm. Because as much as it is important these players be treated well and, and compensated and be allowed to win, they are the paid employees of mil- billionaires who are making billion, uh, making mm-hmm. billions. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we've created a situation where, uh, you know, Giannis could go to uh, John Horst right now and say, "Sir, I am making money. Uh, please trade me." Sir, I am making money. Trade me. And John Horst would basically have to say, "Yeah, okay, that's bad." And that's not something David Stern would tolerate. And it's something Adam Silver has allowed. And uh, you can be a conspiracy if you, a theorist if you want, but Anthony Davis demanded his way out, and New Orleans was gifted Zion Williamson. I think so, too. If Zion Williamson leaves, do they get Imani Bates? Whew. Do they get Chet, Chet Holmgren? But then they're going to have the same issue in two years after that. Exactly. And this is my greater point, right? Something needs to be done. Either max salaries need to be eliminated and contract structures need to be reworked. And the owners are, of course, to blame here. They, they lock themselves into like seven-year uh, seven deals for guys like Allen Houston and then said, this can never happen again, and they mm-hmm. panicked. Right. And both sides kind of destroyed the league in that, to that extent. You know. So the next CBA needs to change this. You know, I'm, I'm, if I'm ever a GM and – I feel like I'm a, I'm going to have the relationship with the player that they should be able to have those kind of conversations with me. And I never really understand why some of these GMs, I mean, it's more than just trading players and signing players. It's about relationship building. And I think a lot of these GMs don't know how to build relationships with these young kids because they they just come from different backgrounds. And, and I mean, let, let's lay a plan. These GMs are Harvard guys. Right. They're stats guys. Right. They're not people pleasers. They're brilliant men who achieved greatness and were rewarded for that greatness by the keys to this franchise. Right. But they can't interact on, on the level, and that's why a lot of these organizations insulate themselves by having ex-players as, like, VPs right. and, and around the game as ambassadors. Definitely. Definitely. Because I feel like in any, in any job, you have offsite, you know, um, fun things that you do. And I know some of these guys, you know, they, they go to their games, they play their games, and then they go home. But you never see team bonding fishing trips with the GMs. You know, you never see um, miniature golf, GM and player. You, you're not going to see David Griffin and Zion on a fishing trip. And I think that's what's missing. It's that, that interaction, that human interaction that people need to have. Like, we know this is a job. We know that this is, you're here to do a job. I'm here to do a job. You're probably going to be here longer than me, Zion, because I'm probably going to get fired before you get traded, you know. But I want to build a relationship with you so that we can be in this fight together. And I think that's what's missing in, in any sport, that there isn't a connection between player and, and upper management. Maybe player and coach, kind of, but then GM is kind of 
a little upset that the player and the coach are more friends than the GM and the player is, you know. Um, so I just feel like some of these GMs need to do a better job of being able to relate with these players, being able to get on their level, you know, to, hey, where are you from? Where's your family from? Where's this? There's that. Let's let's figure out how we can not be friends, ship, not be friends. It's called show business, not show friends, like Tommy Shepard said when he fired Scott Brooks. But at the same time, you still need to have a better relationship with your players one to 15 and because you want to feel like you're all in this together and I think that that's where Stan Van Gundy's was he he wasn't able to relate he he should have learned from Dwight Howard he should have learned in Detroit and you know now it's kind of like you it's the young guys you have to be able to kind of get on their level you know shoot them a like on Instagram you know like you know do some karaoke with them to kind of show that you're human instead of just a guy in a suit behind a desk in an office exactly and uh i mean we the fans are are to blame here as well um i'm not to blame the minute we started to start <laughs> calling these uh, players uh, assets right referring to them almost as commodities yes is the minute their agents went and told them well look at this like yes. you don't get out of here you're going to be replaced by you know uh this 15 year old kid from Sierra Madre. Exactly. Like it's always about the next move now. Yes. And that's good. That's what the GM needs to do. They need to have foresight and forethought, but, but there should be a faucet on that. Thinks that you're sending a scout out to a gym, you know, 300 miles down the road for a guy that's going to take his job in four years. Exactly. He's going to get to what he's, the player's going to demand what's his. Exactly. He's going to say, get me out of here. Exactly. Now I do agree. Now you said it was Adam Silver's fault and David Stern would not have allowed this. So, for the second time in 2021, I'm going to disagree with you again. I feel that it, it. I feel that if I'm not happy at a job, even if I am under contract with that job, we should be able to have open communication where it's like, hey, I'm not happy here. It's like any relationship. Either fix what you got going or get me out of here. And I think that that's just human relationship. If, if, if your girl was saying it, you know, hey, clean up the house or I'm out of here, then you would either clean up the house or she's out of there. And I feel like some of these these players are saying that. I don't like the way that you don't vacuum the rug, coach or GM. So either wash the dishes or I'll find someone who, who will wash the dishes for me or we can do this thing collectively. And so I feel like these players are empowered and they should be empowered because like you said, these billionaires are making billions off of the backs of these players. So these players should feel a little bit like, hey, you're not going to just make money off of me and I'm not going to have a say at all because it feels like I'm cattle now and you're just using me until the milk runs out. And that's 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 the, the bigger problem with sports, right? Right, right. Uh, and that's why some people use uh, the word plantation mentality. Yeah. I don't want to dig deep into this because... Uh, <laughs> you know how we can go. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I don't want to, but here's what I... Have you ever seen the show Mad Men? No. Okay, there's a show, so... Um, I've heard of it. I've never seen The Sopranos either, so... Yeah, I've never seen The Sopranos, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, one of the lower-level employees comes up to her boss and says, I don't feel like you really appreciate my work. And their boss says, that's what the money is for. Right? And I think that's... That's telling. I think we need to delineate this between, yes, there's employer-employee mentality, but when that financial nature extends to the point where a player could potentially buy a stake in that same organization, 
it just changes it just changes the context right and it's not an easy discussion to have it's not an easy solution because smarter people than you and me have been discussing this since at first the since at since the first lockout in the late 90s exactly and they'll be discussing this until the day the day you and I either die or or uploaded into a, a computer program and are all in the matrix <laughs> right I totally understand I totally understand um, that's more to be seen from the NBA. We've made our picks. The draft lottery is tomorrow. Um, I'm so looking forward to that. The really, Kate, really can't wait. The Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and the Jalen's. Um, I'm looking forward to those guys. I, well, I'm looking forward to seeing which team picks um, where. I'm more intrigued what the Warriors, if the T Wolves, will be able to convey their pick or not because. If the Warriors can get like the number five pick, and they already have like 14 or 15, 13, something like that. But if they can get those two picks, then now their window, I mean, their window's not closed, but it opens back up. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and poor Minnesota, because uh, yeah. it, this is the pick that they would want to pair with Cat and, and Anthony Edwards. You know, I guess D'Angelo Russell is, is, finding his way but this is this is the time where you want a Kaminga or Evan Mobley to kind of play with these guys um I I brought up a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing Josh Gaday out of Australia he's kind of Ben Simmons 6'8 point guard but he's got a better better jumper than Ben Simmons um I think the Warriors are going to pick him um with that 14th pick I like Herb Jones out of Alabama. I like Luca Garza out of Iowa. I don't know why people are having him pegged as a second rounder because yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, it's because he's a white guy. Definitely, definitely. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly. But so is, and I guess that's where uh, Nurkic and Jokic and those guys, you know, fall in line with. But at the same time, if you're a big like that and you can shoot like that and you can put some some bodies on people, I, I you know, I see no color, Sean. Well, I do, but I don't see it in the way that most people see it. I see it in a way that, hey, if I'm a white guy and I'm 6'11", I'm going to show you guys that I can ball. I'm, I'm going to show you. I don't care what you say about me. There's literally nothing Luca Garza could have done to increase his draft stock other than, like, block nine shots a game. Right. And even then, well, he's 6'11". He's supposed to. <laughs> exactly. People always make an excuse for why they undervaluate a guy who can score at every single level of the game. Right. Every single level. Right. Um, I share your same love for Herb Jones, by the way. I'm uh, the New York Knicks. I do what I can to get that guy next to Tom Thibodeau. Yes. He, he's a lockdown. And they got him pegged in the second round as well. There's another kid at LSU named Trenton Wofford. I love this dude. Man, this dude and Keith Smart's nephew... Uh, from LSU, man, I tell you, these two are going to be stars in this league. They're going to be second round picks. They're going to probably do a year in the G League, and then they're going to do. They're going to. They're going to be good in this league. Um, I can't wait to to that draft. We're going to do a mock draft once we know who's picking where on our next episode. Um, what else you got, Sean? Uh, you mentioned the Timberwolves thing, right? Yes. The other pick I'm very interested in is, and because I'm biased, is that Bulls pick. Yeah. Uh, where there is a chance that either the Orlando Magic will get the seventh to eighth pick of the draft. Statistically, that seems likely. Or the Bulls will keep their pick, and it will be in the top four. Oof. If that's the case, uh, the complexion of the league changes. Yes, it does. The Bulls could potentially make moves that would allow themselves to get a guy like Keith Cunningham 
Next, uh, Vucevic, Zach Levine, and Patrick Williams. Or Jalen Suggs as well. That works. Or J- and I love Jaylen. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't get into this. Right, right. Yeah, so one of those incredible point guards into that situation. So that's the other thing I want to see. The minute that lottery ball, uh, lottery ball slots in, the Magic are either going to get an incredible player or their goals are potentially going to rise to the fourth or fifth spot in the East for the next four or five years. Definitely, definitely. We'll, we'll make sure we talk about that on our next episode. We're going to do a, a, a draft, Sean, when we find out who's picking where. I'm so excited. Thanks again, Sean, for hanging out with me today, man. Um, we'll do this again soon, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of the, the playoffs. Uh, don't get uh, burned in that Arizona heat. I'll try. I can't go outside. No, I'm just going to sit in this house. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. <laughs> All right, my brother. It was good talking to you, man. We'll do this again soon. It's been fun. All right. Talk to you. Yep. Thanks again, Sean, for riding with me today. Join us next time on the Front Office Podcast as we do our NBA mock draft after the lottery, which happens tomorrow. Um, follow us on, at, on Instagram at Front Office GM. Uh, we appreciate all of you. If you have questions or comments, we get a few questions, and that's what brings our content. So if you got questions or comments, DM us at Instagram and, and just ask some questions, and, and we'll make sure that we get to those or comments or, and things of that sort. We appreciate you all. Be safe out there. Enjoy the rest of the NBA playoffs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.